You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold's recurring orders has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature, first, lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. So this lets you set up trial sizes, free samples, etc. And then they've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like the books, they offer you a free one. If you say it's too expensive, it automatically offers you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the Recurring Orders app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. Their most recent feature is the subscription buy button. That lets you sell your subscriptions directly with just a link, so it's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, etc. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can now manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in and then pause, skip, edit, update payment info, their address, swap products, add products, and more. They can just manage everything themselves. So it's a huge time savings for store owners because it means fewer customer requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business today, you could do that by going to boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions to check it out. That's boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores, like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stell's to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Oh, yeah, you're listening to a podcast. Is this uh, Kermit the Frog is doing podcast now? That's all I got. There's only so many. I only have so many voices. Did, I do my cat. Did you include the our previous conversation about how much money we have in outstanding invoices as part of this recording? Uh, no, I, I hit record directly after that. Okay, because it's a lot of money. It's, and we need the money because we got to pay our taxes in seven days. Ugh, quarterly taxes. Taxes, being self-employed, taxes are a big pain. It sucks. Yeah. You have an employer. You have, so daddy takes care of you. <laughs> and they withdraw the money so that you don't have to mess with it. Well, it gets jacked out of your check every every week. Yeah, but it keeps it out of your grubby little mitts. Whereas <laughs> with you're self-employed, you could spend the money that you owe the government. And then every three months, every three months, if you're a good boy, you got to pay the government a chunk of change that you suddenly got to find or if you're a very bad boy, April rolls around and the government's like, hey, buddy, I need about 30 grand from you right now. And then you're supposed to let them calculate the interest penalty if they even do it. The interest penalty is comically small. The penalty isn't really it's bad. Really it's the fact that you just get a surprise check where it's like, you now owe us $35,000. Surprise bill. If I got a surprise check for 35 grand, I'd be pretty excited. A bank error in your favor. So the, that was your 4th of July. What'd you do? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I went to my brother-in-law's, and he 
is definitely he's into cooking. He's like a Hank Hill type, and he has a flat iron or a big flat grill, flat top grill, and that was cool. He was able to make food for sixteen people rapidly, and then I turn use my drone and the slow mo on my phone to turn it into an Instagram story. I'm really into Instagram stories. Yeah, now. I know that's your whole life right now is essentially drone footage and Instagram. Yeah, it's well, I'm I want to get into video and Instagram stories. They're max sixteen seconds. It and they only live twenty four hours. It is like the perfect way to practice video skills. I'm in love with it. I'm throwing my Instagram link in the show notes if anybody wants to check that out. Oh, well, that, that's what this is all about. <laughs> Promoting my Instagram. Yes. All 400-some followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be huge. Mm-hmm. You're an influencer. Yeah. What? Uh, any any other uh, non-Shopify-related notes you have? Uh, let me think. I'm not watching anything. Oh, Stranger Things. That's a good show. It's on my... Uh, I, Wanted to binge watch it over the weekend, and I just never got around to it. Uh, oh, I watched a good doc that was on, um, I actually half read a book on this subject, and then I didn't finish the book, and then I saw there was a documentary on it on, like, Amazon Prime, so I'm like, I'm watching You're like, TV's twice as fast <laughs> as reading. <laughs> it's like, TV's puts the movies in my face. There was a Soviet sub that sank in the late 60s in the North Atlantic, and it was extremely deep, and... The Soviets kind of didn't know where it was. They just knew a general area where it was. But we had all these listening posts set up to detect underwater nuclear tests. So we knew exactly where it was. And But it was very extremely deep. But deep sea oil drilling was just starting to be a thing. So the government set up a front corporation that was a deep sea oil drilling company that was really a company that built a special purpose crazy ship. I'm to raise this, this Soviet submarine to steal all the stuff in it. I believe I'm familiar with this story from when I used to cruise Wikipedia for hours in my <laughs> 20s. And wasn't it de- like they launched it under the guise that this was a Howard Hughes venture? Yes. it was. Okay, they, yes. Uh, Howard Hughes agreed to it because they were like, who is a good front person to build an insane gigantic ship that makes no sense? They were like, Howard Hughes. <laughs> this is one of those things that sounds like a, a, fiction, a th- fictional thriller. And the reality is stranger than fiction. No, they truly did it, and like the the ship was hollow and just had a hit big hole in the bottom. So they lifted the sub directly up inside the ship and then like closed the bottom and then just drove off with it. So like no one could even see that they were doing it. Anyway, that was cool. Oh, that was cool. Anything else for me? Uh, I started playing this game. That's the uh, it's a Russian. It's called Adam RPG. It's a Russian knockoff of the classic Fallout games, like Fallout One and Two. And it's truly a knockoff. Like the UI is the same. A bunch of the way the game works is exactly the same. It's they should get sued probably, but it's extremely Russian. Everyone's name is Russian. All the towns are Russian. All the voice characters are like, hello, welcome to my village. Like it's just full on Russian ripoff. But it's Jeez. good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the, sometimes those crappy off brands are fun in their own way. Well, because nobody makes like, uh, third-person isometric RPG like that anymore. Or if they do their real hardcore, like D&D, you know. Dungeon Crawlers? Well, I was thinking like Tyranny or some of the other ones, like uh, Pillars of Eternity. That's too hardcore for me. I don't get in those. I don't know the last time I played a video game. We got the SNES Classic in our house. Well, you have kids. I am a loser. Once you have kids, it kind of ruins it. Because you can only handle so much like yelling about... Roblox before you're like, you know what? I just don't want to be involved with any of this. Uh, moving on to our e-commerce stuff, our housekeeping items. I saw uh, Shopify darling Pura Vida had uh, been acquired, a majority stake had been acquired by Vera Bradley, 
So if you've been following Pura Vida, that's cool. They had this this big exit for a ton of money. What fascinates me about that brand is they're selling like the average order value. What must it be when they're selling bracelets that cost like three, four bucks? It was very low. It's inexpensive. And you have this thing, this brand selling for huge sums of money. It's uh, it's atypical. Uh, we launched AdamsPolishes.com. Big, huge, de- if you're into auto detailing, you can't escape Adams Polishes. It, and by we just launched, it literally launched like two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Check out AdamsPolishes.com. AdamsPolishes.com. It's good. It is a, a custom theme built over Turbo. It has some some really neat stuff like uh, collection images. This I guess this is nerdy, but in the collection grid, some items are landscape. So they'll be double wide in the grid, and it does not break horribly. It looks really cool, and I've never seen someone do that before. So I thought that was that was neat. It's yeah. done a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, it looks cool on the front. You think it's really cool. It actually wasn't that hard because I, uh, I got a lot of thoughts about Turbo, but one of the things it does is is has a lot of hard-coded widths of the sizes of things. So in the uh, liquid for it, it's pretty much if a product is tagged a certain way, um, it just applies the class that gives it twice the width of what the normal uh, rest of the items are, and that's all hard-coded in the CSS. So that really wasn't that big a deal to pull off, to untoot my horn. The product pages are pretty cool, too. It does, rather than the, the traditional single image with thumbnails, it is just six equally-sized images, five or six equally-sized images. Six. And then you uh, just clicking on them gives you the, the zoom. Um, but it's different. I haven't seen people see too many sites do anything like it. It looks really nice. It really it's reliant on you have very good product photography, and they absolutely do. Yeah, they went and all out. And that's what makes it work. I was I you know I've been, we've been burned by clients in the past, but when these guys when we did the initial mock up for them, I was like, oh well, sure, this looks good in the Photoshop file, but it's when the rubber hits the road, they're not going to be able to pull off all these product images. They're not going to retake high-class, great images for every single product, and they did. They absolutely did. So when you were at Unite, you had a business chat with Mr. J. Myers from Bold. Uh, I wasn't there for that. What happened? At the big party, uh, at the, like the night of party, who was the rapper? Lupe Fiasco. Where Lupe Fiasco said we were From all part- Chicago. Yeah, well, he was said we were all part of the Illuminati. I ran into J. Myers from Bold Apps, who is one of the nicest dudes in the world. He's nice by Canadian standards, which is very nice. Yeah. It puts him in the top 1% of niceness of, like, all humans. Mm-hmm. And he kind of... So we were talking. I hadn't seen him in a while. And he asked me... He was like, hey, so uh, what's uh, your and Kurt's, like, plans? Like, what do you guys uh, want to do with your company? Like, what do you think you're doing? And I was just like, uh, just what we're doing now? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, we don't... Um, and, and I was reminded, you know, you had a conversation the last time you were in New York for Shopify, a bunch of people were coming up to you and saying that like, we needed to expand. Yeah. Oh yeah. You should have a team of 30 people. And I don't want that. I totally don't want that. And I didn't know you get that a lot where it's like the, the metric of growth is how many employees you have. Well, you need to increase revenue. It's all about revenue. But that ignores profit. That ignores profit margin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, our revenues are gigantic, but we're losing Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, a year. I could. <laughs> you could really. You could spend your way into intense amounts of revenue. But if you're not taking anything home, what's the point? Yeah, and you're tearing your hair out in the process. I don't know. Reading uh, Paul Jarvis's Company of One, 
that was an eye opener for me where I realized, oh, like you don't, the only metric is not revenue and, and employees. There are other ways to measure the success of a business. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this giant sprawling corporate thing in order to be successful. There's another book on the topic before Company of One that's very good. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name. Keir Whitaker recommended it. It was like small as the new big. I don't know. So I was telling all this to Jay that I was sort of like, you know, we're just we're happy with it being the two of us and then having like freelancers and other people we bring on on a per project basis if it's necessary. And, you know, just sort of increasing our incomes, but like maximizing our incomes, but not at the expense of like uh, maximizing our free time or in minimizing hair pulling. And he was just like, oh, wow. He's like, that's. He's like, sometimes I wish I was still like that. And he, that's, was, like, that's the he was very wistful. He was like, we have all these attorneys. He's like, we have two people that like are running all this HR that are like heads of HR for us. And like he, I'm sure, you know, Jay's doing great. I'm sure he's very happy with his life. But there was just a moment of wistfulness where he wishes he was just like a couple dudes in a room. There's always, yeah, there's that, uh, that reverie when you talk to people who have grown from a small but successful team to a large and successful team, and they 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 always say they're like, oh yeah, you should grow thirty people. Uh, sometimes I miss being just you know small, a couple dudes in a room, and they all do that. I don't think the only metric for success is is the size of the team. I think it's the the lesson there. Yeah, there's no. multiple paths to profit. And I one. you know and so we were talking about that, and he was like, you guys should talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, we did. We talked about the guy that ran Gumroad and how he quote unquote failed because he didn't become a multimillionaire. And like get bought out by Google or whatever. Instead, he just makes like three hundred grand a year and lives in Utah and just kind of has fun with most of his life while making that much money. Yeah, define that as a distinct success. And we were like, "That's the life for us." But he was like, "Talk about it more." So yeah, no, I think the point is there's just nothing wrong with one of our tenants, and this is from our about page. We believe firmly in creating something stable, modest, and profitable that will last us the rest of our lives. That is 100% a perfectly valid business goal if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he ta- and, and that reminded me of a, a, a Twitter thread I saw going around about a month ago where a guy was talking about VC money and how when you start a business, usually the goal of starting a business is to like make money for yourself. It's like, you know, you want to run a business and like be able to feed your family and like buy a house and all that sort of stuff. But the moment the, a VC comes in and when you take VC money, VCs are making bets on a bunch of companies. So their goal, and they know most of them will fail. So their goal is to make one of them just become gigantic. And they're just going to spin the roulette wheel and hope it's, you know, one of the ones that they invested in. So their goal is growth above everything else. They care about growth and revenue, and you just got to be hitting growth and revenue, growth and revenue nonstop, just continually expanding, which very quickly and very often can which is sometimes goes against the idea of having a nice stable business that can make you money and support your life. I mean, he's into it to make big scores and take big gambles. He's throwing downfield bombs. Whereas you just want to run West coast offense and just, you know, gain yardage on every single play to use a metaphor that Kurt doesn't understand. (laughs) I can put it together. (laughs) I can infer from context what you're talking about. Um, no, and I, th- I think the issue that people get into is that it is a, a stupid argument in which these things are not mutually exclusive. 
where people are like, this is the right way. No, this is the right way. We're not saying, yeah, we're not saying our way is only the right way. No. We're just saying we feel like that our way is under appreciated or undercovered or undervalued by a lot of the people today. Well, if, I mean, it doesn't make for good headlines. Like, yeah. Yeah, to, local entrepreneur provides for family with modest, stable, profitable business, making <laughs> way more than his peers. Like, that's just not <laughs> a great headline. Not an exciting story. Man makes six figures, but if it's yeah. <laughs> on an annual basis, <laughs> yeah. If it's like, but you know, the exciting story is like, whoa, you know, twenty-six-year-old sells tech company for a billion dollars. Like that's awesome. Good for that guy. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the media tells those stories, and that's also part of the media shapes how we think. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of what's going on as well. So we'll call that. Uh, We'll call that listener mailbag question one. We got three to cover. Yeah, Number the mailbag one was, question was from Jay Myers of Bold Apps. Jay Myers for Bold Apps. If I don't know if you've heard of them, and I'm, you know, maybe Jay will just give us all his money, and then he could go back to having like a small stable business. <laughs> uh, no, I will not accept Jay Myers handouts. <laughs> Who knows what life is like in Winnipeg? I've never been there. Could be a wasteland. He's got a fortress. They that, live in a compound. He does have a yeah. He has a fortress. Yeah, keep out. <laughs> The White Walkers. <laughs> Just fucking dire wolves. Yes. Patrolling. Yeah. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, U.S.-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler, by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. So question two is about efficiency. David Espinel asks for a rant on efficiency. What do you do to make the most of your day so you get the most important jobs done? How do you decide what they are? What process do you use to map your day, week, month out, etc.? Uh, I love some of your tips on... Uh, blocking emails and email check. Okay. So I think the the core problem at any business where someone goes, I just don't have enough time. I'm not getting enough done. I can almost guarantee without knowing anything more that the issue is your inbox. And the problem is your inbox it very quickly becomes someone else's to-do list. Well, it's your to-do list dictated by someone else, Right. Especially if you get up in the morning and like the first thing you do when you get into the office or even the first thing you do when you wake up is check your email. And now you've got just here's a list of tasks. And that's the awful thing to get into. But email very much has this like slot machine effect where one email might be really, really exciting and valuable. So you keep checking it compulsively. 100% just as like the average person checks their phone, something, something crazy like 170 times a day. Well, what are you checking in that time? Social media notifications and email. So that's, I think, number one, the habit to break is just like the constant email checking where you're really unknowingly looking for someone else to dictate to you what to do. And instead, you need to sit down, not check your phone, not check your computer, and write out these are the three things, Just maybe just one, but never more than three. Here are the three things I want to get done with my day. Do those things now you can go mess with everything else. I think, like, if you make one change for efficiency and productivity, let it be that. Yeah, I used to have um, an add-on in my web browser that it would, like, ping my email every five or six minutes, 
and then it would pop up a notification in my browser if I had gotten a new email. Oh, it would yeah. just automatically do it. And yeah, so I uninstalled that, and I don't have my phone email set up to check email automatically. I need to open the app and like pull down on the thing in order for it to check the email. So every time an email comes in or I see a new email, it is because I have made the active choice to be like, I will look at my email now. Yes. And it's not something that just pops up and interrupts my life. Yeah, I go um, uh, further with it because I don't have the self-control. So <laughs> Yeah, I have the self-control to not check unless I care about checking. Yeah. I mean, number one, you just have to accept nothing bad will happen if you don't check your email. And I learned this by just ignoring my email while going on vacation, which is the only way to get the value out of a vacation, of course. Yeah, we're not um, doctors. If you're listening to this, you're probably not a doctor. No one's going to die if you don't check your email. Also, yeah. if someone's dying and then you email the doctor about it, don't email the doctor. Again, there's this fear that if I don't check my email, something bad will happen and that you got to let go of. It simply is not the case. It's yeah, Email's asynchronous communication. You don't have to reply to it right away. Now, uh, just a few of the other strategies I've used that have worked well. Uh, I don't have my work email on my phone. And uh, during weekdays, and if I'm feeling burned out on a weekend, I just leave my computer at work. I don't have one at home. I literally have no way to access my work stuff in those scenarios. And that is by design so that I'm not tearing my hair out and checking work email at 830 at night. Now, I want to, like, my wife's lo love language is quality time. I need to be there and be present with her. And having that distraction there doesn't allow that but then you like you get so much more done during the day when you want to by not having like spent all your time your free time just sending off stupid emails well and it, you know and I, this is the way i am where working at home for me is the most inefficient use of time ever like fourth of july weekend just went by the fifth of july we didn't come into work we weren't at the office but we had some emails come in and you know i was knocking them down and doing some stuff based on those emails that were coming in. And it was just like, this is taking me twice as long as it should because I'm at home. And so I'm like kind of watching TV, but also kind of working and you just kind of keep half-assing everything. So it ends up taking twice as long. So you're like, your work time is much longer than it would be. I did a half day from Starbucks and because it, you, uh, there's this saying, you don't know how efficient you could be until you have to pack for a flight. Yeah. And that, that was that scenario where I knew I'm only going to be here for a few hours so I can really whip through this stuff. Well, the greatest days we've ever had are days where you're like, the client says this has to happen tomorrow. We got to do it today. We have three hours. Like, we've gotten more done in those three hours than we've done in weeks on certain stuff. And that's the, the issue with efficiency is your, your productivity expands to fill its container. So the, work, could, the work expands to fill its container. So if you have uh, if you have these very hard deadlines you have to hit and you can eliminate distractions, that's when you will be your most efficient. Yeah. So in the topic of uh, using those artificial deadlines to promote efficiency, there's a thing called the Pomodoro Technique where you get an egg timer and you set it. And the idea is you have to have an actual egg timer because it's like a, a visual reminder of what you're supposed to be doing. And you set it for a block of 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And then you just work on a single task during that time. And then when it's done, you take, like, let's say it was 30 minutes. You then take a five to 10 minute break to screw around. You know, maybe it's check Facebook or Twitter. And then you set another timer and you go back and you work on just that one thing. And then when the timer goes off, you eat a giant plate of pasta with like red sauce. What? 
Because it's the Pomodoro technique? I don't know. Does a Pomodoro just mean tomato? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not Italian. <laughs> God. On the topic of time blocking, the other one I found very useful is I only do meetings in the morning. Because I feel like you have that one stray meeting in the afternoon. It's just hard to focus on stuff because you know it's going to be interrupted by an hour of phone call. So I like to just do them like three, max three a day, back to back to back in the morning, just knock it out and then move on with my day. Um, yeah. And in terms of my day, it's usually the way it works usually around here is we tend to have larger projects that are multi-day projects. And then there are smaller projects that come in that are, you know, current clients that want a thing like, oh, this currency changer is is appearing on my store that I installed, but I only want it to appear on certain pages. So you could, could you write like a style that hides it on like all our video pages? Like, okay, just like little 15, 20 minute changes like that. So generally what I do is the morning is reserved for those tiny little niggling changes that just come up. And if it comes up during the morning, I'll do it during that morning. And then the afternoon after lunch is reserved for the larger, longer multi-day projects. So if I get a random ass email from one of our clients at three o'clock, that's a tiny job. I'm not going to interrupt my flow on the big job to jump to that little smaller one. The smaller one can wait until tomorrow morning when I clean out the backlog of the tiny jobs again. That is, yeah, and that that's batching. That's a, a very smart way to handle it. On the same topic, Renee Van Winkle of Reclaimed Farmhouse asks us for tools to make your life easier if you have to wear one hat as a solopreneur or something like that. And uh, I've got a few. I could do this all day. But number one by far is this tool called Text Expander that I am utterly in love with. If I had to have a single tool and only one tool for productivity, it's Text Expander. So a text expand, and I've done demos of this thing at conferences. I love it so much. Uh, what text expander does is it, it's email, it's text snippets, and you have keyboard shortcuts for them. So I could type uh, if I type semicolon hope, it auto completes to hope you had a good uh, a good evening. And you can also where it gets really fancy is you could start adding dynamic elements to these text snippets. So when I type hope, it says, hope you had a good, and then there's a drop-down menu, and it's pre-filled with evening, weekend, holiday, and I pick the right one. And then when I complete an email, I type semicolon sign off, and there's like 10 options that I will close an email with. Um, Doing that stuff saves a tremendous amount of time, but also makes it effortless for me to stay like super professional, positive, and that's how I got started with it. So what you're saying is every email you send to people, you're not thinking about them at all. I am a robot. You're a robot. No, I There's can... There's no emotion whatsoever. I could include so much more value to them when I am not mired by your human phrases and idioms. The Some other good ones, uh, like everybody's got to do in their business, accounting. So a wonderful bookkeeping service is Bench. Bench.co works pretty well for just uh, getting that job done. And at the end of the year, we get from them, here's your packet to give your CPA done. That makes that... That's one less thing to worry about. Uh, if a CRM is applicable, if you're doing any kind of sales, CRM is very helpful. And lastly, a tool for small jobs like Zapier. Zapier essentially is uh, a tool to connect any two services on the internet, and it works with Shopify. So you could use, as an example, you could use Zapier to connect Shopify to Slack. So you get messages in a Slack channel about new orders and to Google Sheets. So they automatically, your new orders uh, get populated in a Google Sheet. But check it out. It's really, 
you connect the services you're currently using. It will then give you example. They call them zaps, example automations that you can mess with. Um, and once you get a feel for it, you'll start thinking through like, oh, okay, here's a uh, just a job to be done, a basic task that a human shouldn't be doing. Zapier could do this for me. Uh, I do nothing to uh, make my life easier. I just sit at a computer and type. Yeah. No, you, you type on the computer and money comes out. That's how that works. <laughs> Our last listener question of the day comes from Brad Norton, who says, I love making videos, but hate writing articles. All right, cool. What's the best way to maximize video on our sites for both conversion and SEO? He said, how to maximize video. The All right, so for SEO, YouTube is functionally a search engine, and YouTube is tied directly into Google, so you always get those video results first. So just as with writing an article, like the same SEO approach you take to that, you'd want to do the same thing with the title of uh, your video. You want to make sure you have one of those, like a, a really uh, tension-grabbing, that's why, uh, cover image. That's why you see those really ridiculous oh God, I hate those. cover images. What? I'm making yeah. a lot of faces right now. It's radio. You can't see it. No, but you, make that noise again, and you could picture the face. What? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's like, my Uber driver tried to kill my cat. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. It's always something crazy like that. But it's, it's like, be- bought a million-dollar watch? Question mark? Turns out you didn't buy the million-dollar watch. No. How I bought a sal- I bet it all on a salvage Ferrari. Yeah. That's one I see in the, like, you might also like a lot the last several weeks. Well, did he get a salvage Ferrari? No, I, I don't watch stupid vlogs. Oh. Well, now I want to know. All right, so you want to uh, you want to optimize that title. Uh, you want to make sure you've got that nice graphic. Uh, the easiest way to make those is with Canva. Canva is essentially a free graphic design tool, and one of their categories is literally YouTube cover art. Oh, so that's why they all look the same. That's why they often have a similar look is because of Canva. Um, it's Canvas without the S, Canva. So I like Canva a lot. And then uh, there are two tools you can use if you really want to get deep in the weeds. Uh, TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy. Yeah, it's not a sex thing. It's, it's just a Chrome extension uh, that essentially adds like UI elements to the YouTube interface and kind of guides you through best practice for setting up the video. Um, I like the tool Rapid Tags. Rapid Tags, let's, well, you give it a, your title. It will then generate, hey, here are the search keywords that you could copy and paste into YouTube. And obviously, you remove the irrelevant ones, paste those in. Um, and then l- lastly, I don't have anything else for you for actual like YouTube optimization. All right. Well, you've, optimi- you've, you've optimized the video for search, but we got to put the videos on our store. Okay. Let's embed those YouTube videos. And I didn't embed them everywhere. Put them on the product pages. Put them on your homepage. Have articles written. Write a little bit of articles. Or like make a blog post with the title of the video and then put the video inside the blog post as, an, as a YouTube embed. But yes. yeah, again, with Adam's Polishes, um, they use Vimeo, but almost every single product on Adam's Polishes has a video running in the lower parts of the product page. Are they autoplay muted? They are autoplay muted, yes. And we learned at Shopify Unite last month that Shopify will accept videos natively now if you just want to upload them to the, like a product photo. But there's actually a, a trick for product pages. Most themes support this, not all. If you take the embed for your video, the YouTube embed, and drop it into the alt tag for the image, 
in uh, the photos in your Shopify admin, it will swap out the photo for the YouTube video. Yeah, uh, I know Turbo definitely does this. That's a yeah, that's a neat trick. But yeah, so that's more like product based. I think uh, it's good if you're kind of doing like educational videos about the product, like how to use the product, why you might need the product. Like um, that's good to put those on YouTube because that will come up in Google searches. Whereas like stuff that is more uh, just like almost a product photo replacement, you could just embed that directly on the product page. A uh, good example, check out Tactical Baby Gear. He's got essentially like product walkthroughs in each uh, product description for some of the best sellers. Um, and then if you check out their YouTube channel, they get really, really cool videos. And he's is extraordinary also, at production. He also is crazy on Instagram. Oh, yeah. what He has 100,000 followers. You could only dream. I, <laughs> yeah, I got 400-something followers. I do better on YouTube. I got 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. The podcast is clearly where it's at, though. That's that's the primary channel. Well, I know people are so much hungry for Lake County, Illinois drone content. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> that's my creative outlet. <laughs> that's where I practice my skills. My eight-year-old kept yelling Pickle Rick. But like he just hears references and just picks them up and yells them. But you go, would well, you know what that is? And they have no idea. Like every, He kept going, another one. I was like, oh, that's DJ Khaled. And he just stared at me like I was the stupid one. No, it's just a thing you yell. Yeah. Well, it's because, like, I think it's, uh, well, they put, like, a lot of the YouTube videos, they have drops in there. But they have, like, he'll play Roblox. And Roblox will just have, like, random meme drop sound effects in there. And, yeah, he just yell stuff. But has no idea what the reference is. So they kept yelling Pickle Rick until finally their mom wasn't home. I said, you guys want to watch Pickle Rip? Rick? Pickle Rick episode. So with my eight and ten year old and a lot of cautionary explaining, we watched Pickle Rick. And after we watched the opening scene, it got to the opening credits. I said, "Do you guys want to watch the whole thing?" And like they thought it was a trick. They just stayed silent because they thought maybe there's like a wrong answer. Like it's not a trick. This is just we. It's fine. I trust your maturity. We can watch this one episode supervised. It's fine. And now they were. They thought the whole thing was a trap. And the next day. I was like, so did, did yeah, you enjoy you it? Yeah, you screw with them all the time. Yeah, but they have such a bad ability to figure out when I am not screwing around with them. It's very difficult. <laughs> so yeah, we watched the second one. Or the next day, I was like, hey, did you like uh, did you like Pickle Rick? And both of them are silent. And I'm like, it's not a trick. <laughs> well, you didn't watch it and then like lie to me about it. It was We, we watched it together. I'm uh, Anyway, father of the year right here. I'm extremely excited to divorce myself. From any interest in whatever media my kids are watching. Oh, They're going to come around and be like, you want to watch this old uh, Warner Brothers uh, crime movie from 1937? Because that's what daddy's watching. So you can watch that. Otherwise, I don't care. You know, they, they might sit down and attempt to watch it with you. And they'll be like, this is dumb. And I'll be like, get out. I was watching uh, Journey to the West, which is this insane Chinese movie. I think I've... Oh, I haven't heard of that. I heard of the one where they move the earth. That's not this one. Yeah. Journey to the West is very... It, it's supposed to be fun. Um, There was a... I don't know if your kids will be into this, but I think two, it's 2B, but one of the services just uploaded a ton of Jackie Chan movies. Oh. So if you just want to like feed Jackie Chan into your kids' brains, I would go for that. And they might like Jackie Chan. 
if they don't like Jackie Chan, you should make them sleep in the yard. Tanner's in karate. Maybe he'll like Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, as always, hit reply to this email. Post in the Facebook group. Let me know what your your questions are. We will include those in uh, future episodes. And we've got a backlog of some stuff. But it's always nice to keep it going, get some some new questions, some new blood in. Mr. Rita, anything from you? My throat hurts. Uh, yeah, it's big. There's some illness has been going around. I brought it back from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, you got me sick. But it's it's why do we have to point fingers? <laughs> yeah, that's what the people who deserve to have the fingers pointed at them always say. It's not like I was licking palms in Toronto. Mm, I just were wasn't. You? I was washing my hands. But that's I, not what poutine is, Kurt. Despite what you may think, I love poutine. I know exactly what poutine is. His body was built on poutine. Oh God. The it's I so just flabby. didn't use enough hand sanitizer. <laughs> All right. Next time, it would be drinking hand sanitizer. I managed to go from September to June without getting sick. And then finally, I got, Unite got me. Too much glad handing. I got sick. Then I got my wife sick. I got you sick. Just surrounded by you sickies. And then she had a sinus infection from it. It's bad news. Bad, bad news. All right, so sinus infection cures in my inbox, please. And uh, your questions about (laughs) e-commerce. Bye. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks. And if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial shopifypodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.